And as I was reflecting, it's to me, I was like, well, I guess the, 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 the beautiful romantic nature of all I want for Christmas is you. Um, there's something in all our hearts that crave relationship and closeness and intimacy. And there's a romance to Christmas. Uh, there's a beauty to Christmas. Uh, and I, I, I kind of wondered if that's why that song has resonated. It's also really catchy and maybe a lot of people like Mariah. Um, now, as far as most famous Christmas song um, that's been recorded the most times, any guesses for what that is? Any song that's been recorded? White Christmas? Joy of the World? No, no. It's twice as many as any other song. Not Jingle Bells. Silent Night. Colin, I'm going to give you a prize. Hey, this is fun. Maybe we'll just keep doing this all morning. What do you reckon? Colin gets to be at the front of the lunch crew. All right. So Silent Night was... It's actually its 200th year anniversary. So just want to thank um, an old German fellow that wrote that 200 years ago. Um, 700 times it's been recorded. Um, that's twice as many as the second place Joy to the World. And as I took some contextual meditations on Silent Night and looked at the lyrics... I wondered, why Silent Night? Uh, personally, I'm a drummer boy, man. Um, i just convinced there was a drummer boy there as Jesus was born, um, even though it's the most controversial carol. Anyway, Silent Night. Um, the echo of Silent Night, I believe, is, is sleep in heavenly peace. And I wondered then that, I guess, in this world that's seen so much death and destruction, that there's a deep cry in the human heart that wants to sing and believe that, that we can go to bed, we can wake up with heavenly peace. Um, secular, Christian, religious, the world loves the song Silent Night and there's this craving for peace. You know, carols actually weren't sung um, until the 13th century. It was actually during um, nativity plays that Francis of Assisi um, there in Italy um, was putting together. They began to have interactive songs kind of like this morning, that was sung. And that was, um, yeah, only in the 13th century, that is when carols um, emerged. I found that interesting as I, I looked at the musicality of Christmas. And so as we gather today, and if you're joining us, it's, it's great to be together. And, and I just hope this morning that I can bring light to the heart of singing and why churches through the ages have sung songs. And, and the question I have for us this morning is, I wonder this year, what's the tune of your heart? What's the, the, the song of your mind and your heart and, and what you're facing? And, and it, it probably, like any song, like any good song, has, has highs and lows and, and different rhythms and different melodies and tempos and moments. But I wonder what that looks like for you this Christmas. You know, you... It can be an incredibly stressful time, but that might not be because it's December. It, it might have been the hardest year you've faced. It could be through work. It, it could be through what's happening in your family. Um, worries could already be stirring about next year. As, as we've just heard um, about a, a really sad loss um, this week. Um, some of us may have lost loved ones this year. And that can bring up all sorts of things all sorts of concerns and questions around our existence, around life and family and meaning. There might be fears that you have about this year or, or next year. 
It may be around your children. It may be around your grandchildren. There are so many fears and worries and anxieties and struggles that throw at us every day. But I have this sense that there is such a power in music, personally and communally, that, that music can really shift something in our minds and in our hearts. Songs are so important. Um, we love to select songs for our weddings. Um, um, whether it's um, for the, the bride walking down the aisle or whether it's for the dance party um, afterwards. Movies have incredible soundtracks. Generations have songs that continue and echo through the ages, just like Silent Night. You know, as we go to the shops, they play these Christmas songs because it brings you into the spirit of Christmas. They lure you in to want to remember to buy those gifts, remember to purchase and stock the pantry, stock the fridge that there's power to music. History has songs that define what happened in it. And all of this just highlights the power of music, the power of song. You know, interestingly, in the, the Holy Scriptures, let's get interactive. How many references do you think to singing there is in the Bible? Hundreds? Thousands? There's around 400. Around 400 direct references. And then there's actually 50 direct commands that the people of God, that creation, for those that believe, God has commanded 50 times in the word of God to sing. And so then it begins us to, to think, well, I guess that's why when we come to, to church, we don't just have a message from, from the Bible. We don't just have lunch or have morning tea or have, but we also sing. There's three Psalms that actually have the precise words in Psalms 96, 98 and 149. Sing to the Lord a new song. Isaiah 42 verse 10 says, sing to the Lord a new song. And Psalm 33, sing to him a new song. Psalm 144 says, I will sing a song to you, O God. And it's not just this Old Testament, old generational thing that singing was powerful. We get to the New Testament that was written only um, less than uh, 2,000 years ago. And we read commands in, um, by the, the great writer Paul, who wrote to the church of Ephesus, the church of Colossus. He asked them that they would sing, that they would sing his praises when we meet together. The old prophet Zephaniah actually proclaimed that the Lord, God himself, is singing over us. And so God's power is in music. His power is in song. We read in the Gospel of Matthew that they were singing hymns together the night before Jesus died. And so again, Jesus, in some of his most intimate and dark and, and horrible times, was there singing with his friends. This is the story for us as the, as the church, for the people of God. This is the story of, of all creation. In fact, um, I love, and when Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 5, he, he says, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say that out of that place of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the love of God, that out of that would come psalms and hymns and songs, that we would sing melodies with our hearts together to God. 
And I just love that picture because many of us think that, oh, the band and the worship leaders, they're meant to write the songs. And God may gift them maybe with better voices or better ability to write songs and lyrics. But that doesn't stop all of us being able to sing, being able to put words together, history with God, stories together to proclaim who he is, what he did in the past, what he's done in your family's past to remind you to hold on to him, to cling to God, to believe that there is something more than this earth, to point us to heaven and and out of that love would new songs come. Music can move your heart. And, And I just have this picture and it's something I love to do with my leadership team and I encourage young people to write their own psalms. Whether it's journaling or writing a psalm or writing a song, it might not ever get sung by anyone. But the Lord will hear it. The Lord will see it. This isn't just something floaty and musical. God commands 50 times in Scripture, sing to him a new song. We love the old songs. That's also a rhythm throughout the Bible that we would remember his works and his goodness. But there's this command to sing a new song, to have a new focus, to have a new trust. And that could change everything. That, that could change your December. That could change your family, your home. That could change the entire presence and atmosphere of your home, depending on what tune you're singing this year. You know, I loved, um, as I reflected, you know, I've lived in my street in Glenhaven only for um, six or seven months. And it's really hard to meet your neighbours. Everyone's going in and out. And I've, I've met a few close by, but, but yesterday I chatted with, with over five or six and there were chainsaws coming out and chopping up trees. There was a party next door cleaning sticks. Um, there was all these different events and, and people picking up. And, and I was sitting on the balcony, so I was able to go and engage and chat with different people just there in Glenhaven. And my eyes had been trying to be open this December to not just making it about presents and about one in four gifts being re-gifted. But actually, I wanted my eyes to be awakened to the needs of, of what was going on and what was around. And it's incredible when, when we go beyond ourselves. And I believe when we're thinking of writing a new song, seeing something new happen, then our eyes are not on what's maybe challenging us right now, but it shifts our heart and our mind to what's God doing right now. And I was amazed. I got to have some, some, some incredible conversations yesterday, and one in particular. Well, this leads us to this morning. There's the story on Christmas I want to zoom in on is, is I want to pick up. Um, last week we looked at, at the Mary, Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel. And the story continues. And actually Mary, when she was told she would have the Son of God birthed to her, birthed in her, When she received that promise, the next moment, she actually sung a song. And it's known as as the oldest carol, way before Silent Night. And it's that theme that I want to pick up on, the first song that was sung when God's word spoke this miraculous story that the world still stops for today. It's really easy in Australia to think that, that the people have given up on this. You know, one of McCrindle's statistics was actually that 78% of Australia think we've lost the heart of Christmas and the focus, and they think it's over-commercialised. That in itself shows us that Australia hasn't given up. It's the time of year where, where people are wondering 
about God or wondering about this story. A story that has lasted beyond almost any story ever. The miraculous birth of a young virgin. An absolute miracle. And it's that story that I just want to sit with for a little bit this morning. You know, photos and statues and paintings often show Mary as just this very innocent, sweet, untouched young figure. But, you know, actually, she was radical. She was courageous. She was brave. In Luke 1, after she encounters the angel Gabriel, who who gives her this promise not to be afraid, that you would give birth to the Son of God. She questioned the angel and said, How? I'm a virgin. There's no way I can have this child. And then the angel says, It will be through my spirit. It'll be a miracle. My Holy Spirit will put this child and it will grow in you. You know, Mary was from Nazareth. This was only a small town, probably only a couple hundred people back then. She was likely very poor. She was from the working class. She was probably illiterate. And so this song that we are about to read, she actually would have remembered and recorded it and sung it and others would have written it. But what I love as I looked into the history and of, of, of who Mary was, as she was called chosen and favoured and, and selected by God in this miraculous story that still the world looks to today and wonders about. Mary was actually really brave and radical. And there's aspects that people always remember about, you know, how this was a a challenging time to be told when you're not prepared to have a baby, that you're going to have a baby. Um, You know, I can't fathom what that would have been like. You know, there was a risk at the time because um, she was actually engaged. She was probably around the age between 11 and 13, probably 12. And it was the norm to then be um, yeah, engaged around 12 and married at age 13. So I had this ridiculous moment as I shared the story of Mary um, to our years fives to year eights. You know, they were just shocked thinking that they could be like Mary and Joseph who were age 12 and 13 on Friday night. Their faces were just flabbergasted that imagine if God appeared and told them. And it took me to the rawness of such a young child such a young child but she was given courage you know um, the first thing she did was actually hike 100 miles it's believed to where her relative Elizabeth was because the angel told her that her relative who was barren also a miracle had happened and she'd fallen pregnant with John the Baptist who was um, the man that would make a way in the desert for Jesus to come another miracle around the story of Christmas So she has hiked 100 miles by herself to find Elizabeth. And there they've trusted and celebrated God. And it's in this moment that she writes this song. But but Mary, you know, she'd be worried. She'd be scared. She'd be nervous. And last week we we looked at that journey um, of Mary. Uh, Basically, she goes from being fearful to being filled with faith. And today, as she ends up singing, I want to suggest that, that Mary put aside the worries and she went from worry... And she went into worship. She went into trust. And she put her trust in God. And and this song has now been remembered for 2,000 years. You know, if people, people could have rejected Mary at the time, if you were known for 
falling pregnant outside of your marriage. You could have been dragged to the city centre, put in cloth and, and um, beaten in front of the whole community as a statement that that is not what women were to do. So that's the kind of worry and fear that Mary could have faced. But instead, she trusted the promise that no word from God would fail, that God would be with her and that the Holy Spirit, the angel said, will overshadow you, it will cover you, it will be with you. And so we see this song that's prophetic, this song that before she even has Jesus, she's praising. She's praising God. She's trusting God. And the song of her heart is one of trust. And that's the kind of singing that I want us this morning to, to let our hearts fall back into belief and trust. I don't know, if, you, if you're like me, you've had plans and God has come along and he's changed your plans and you've got to trust him. You don't know what's going to happen next. And that's what's happened to Mary. And in the change of plans, she's not even married, but she's told you will be the mother of the son of God and he will save the whole world. She's put her trust in, in that. So if you've got your Bibles, do you want to turn to Luke 1 verse 46? And we're going to read the song together. Look at its truth. Luke chapter 1 verse 46. And this is the song that she sung. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised his ancestors. Perhaps in the English translation, it doesn't have the same melody, but the words are powerful. Mary has just recited the history of God's hand who has not given up on his people. Mary records the stories where people have been delivered from slavery. Kings and the rich have been humbled and dethroned. And the poor and the hungry and the homeless have been cared for and fed. That's the same thing we need to trust in, we need to support and need to be a part of today. It's so easy for us to become comfortable. But we need to believe that even where we're living, we can meet the needs through the power of God. That God has not given up on his people. And Mary begins this song in a hymn of faith. She positions her heart in faith. And I don't know what you're facing today, but I promise you, you need faith. You need to look at Mary's faith and look at what you're facing. Fear, anxiety, worry, rejection. And borrow from Mary's faith and, and let your soul sing and glorify the Lord. Let your spirit rejoice that God is a saviour. He will save you from whatever you're facing. 
That's his promise. If you've never put your trust in that, maybe today's the day. If you've never tried to put your faith and belief in that, maybe it's time. Maybe you can't do it all on your own and and maybe God wants to help you with that. There's this incredible humility to Mary and it's a humility that I believe today puts us at our heart in a place of worship. Mary says, you've looked at me, a lowly servant, a poor young girl, and you've chosen me. And by God's grace, I'm going to trust you. And then she doesn't finish her song until she remembers the covenant, the promises of God. She holds on to them that from Abraham all the way to today, you promised you wouldn't leave your people, that you would bless your people. And she believes that God will bless and look after everyone and everything. And it's that trust in the blessings of God that I believe there's more blessing for you and I. For any of you, whatever amount of faith you have this morning, whether it's been none, 50%, 90% or 100%, the promise from God is that you will be blessed if you believe. In verse 45 of Luke 1, we read, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. There is blessing for those that believe. There's a famous um, author, theologian, writer. You would have probably heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, He was a German theologian that was in hiding during um, the, the Nazis, during World War II and the devastating time there. And Dietrich, before he died, whilst plotting the death of Hitler, he actually wrote about the Song of Mary. Let me read that to you as we come in to finish this morning. Bonhoeffer writes that the Song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It's the most passionate, wildest hymn, even beyond the revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary who we sometimes see. This is the passionate, surrendered, proud and enthusiastic Mary who speaks out here. This song has none of the sweet, nostalgic, playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. But instead, it's hard and it's strong. It's about collapsing thrones and humbled lords of the world and the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. These are the tones of the woman prophets of the Old Testament that now come into Mary's mouth, swelling with new life by the power of the Spirit, affirmed by kinswoman Elizabeth. Mary sings a song that proclaims God's gracious, effective compassion. These words were written almost 70 years ago by Bonhoeffer, a man who died plotting to kill Hitler. He was captivated by the powerful, bold words of Mary because because of Mary's faith, because she trusted God and because of the miraculous birth as a virgin that brought the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, we receive Jesus. We receive the child who grew up and died for us all today. If you were to put your faith and belief in that each day, it'll change the way you live. It'll change how you speak to people. It'll change this Christmas how you overcome each day's battles and worries. It'll propel you into praying for your neighbours. 
into loving those around you, into loving family and friends, and into believing that, that God will bless you if you surrender your plans and, and you surrender to God. He moves through a surrendered heart and new songs, new opportunities, new moments will burst this December. And it won't just be about presents and, and parties and, and gathering, which are beautiful things. God loves those things. God loves and he's blessed us with wealth where we live. He's blessed us with those things that we can enjoy. But be warned because the love of money over God becomes evil. The love of security over trusting God can be distorted and, and change your heart. But this morning, I believe God is leading us to writing Psalms, journaling and putting our surrendered heart, our trust this Christmas back to God. We become what we worship. Be careful of the self. Be careful of pride. Be careful of money. Be careful of circumstances. We become what we worship. And I want to look to Mary who trusted and worshipped God, even without understanding. You know, the stories, the old stories of the Bible bring us back into belief. Hebrews 11, the writer writes in verse 6 that the only thing that pleases God is faith. It's belief. It's not a works-based theology. It's not about how many times you pray or read the Bible, but it's about your faith. It's about what you believe this Christmas. The only way to please God is by faith. If you believe, he says you'll be blessed. He says he'll pour out his spirit on you. He will pour out his promises on you. He won't leave you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And he'll bring others into the joy and the peace and the hope of Christmas. That we all carry. That's the kind of tune that I just pray would just wash over our hearts this Christmas. No matter how hard the, the things we may be facing. God is compassionate. He feeds the poor. He humbles the rich and the proud. Mary's heart fell into belief. You know, I want to, I want to finish on, and often we think, we feel pretty defeated. We look at Australia and we think that they've wandered away and that there isn't much hope. But if you do a little bit of research and look at what God's doing around the world, there's revival happening in all corners of the earth. There is a huge movement, particularly amidst those who aren't covered by riches and money and distractions. The church is brewing and, and just reviving across Africa, within China, within Russia. There is just movements of God bursting forth, miracles of God bursting. And even in our, our shores right here, the, the stories that I'm seeing even in the last month of, of miraculous ways that God is revealing his love, his compassion, when people trust and they step out in bravery in faith and in worship, where they're not ashamed, they're not worried. You know, I had this picture of the story of Thomas, one of the disciples. Jesus rose from the dead. This little baby that grew up, he has all authority. He has all authority over our, our lives. And when we trust the name of Jesus, he can do anything. And Jesus defeated death on the cross and he appeared to everyone. And when he appeared to the disciple Thomas, Thomas didn't believe. He said, show me your hands. Show me your wounds in your side. I saw you. I knew you died on the cross, but I do not believe. And so Jesus appeared to him and Thomas touched 
the crucified Jesus. And he fell into belief and he worshipped. He fell into a new song and he believed and trusted Jesus. And the book of John writes, Because you have seen me, you have believed. In John 20 verse 29, Because you've seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We might not have seen the wounds of Jesus, but we know the story. And the promise here is that you will be blessed. You will be. Even if you don't see, but if you believe. And that's the kind of blessings that if you truly believe could pour out on you, your family, your friends, your neighborhood this Christmas. I was inspired by some testimonies at feast last Sunday night of people praying for um, people in their work, a local cleaner at their gym. And all week I had my eyes open looking. And yesterday there was a man on our street who was suffering incredibly. I listened to his story. And in that moment I realized that I could pray for him. And I, I don't know what he believes, but I asked him, could I pray for him there on the street? And he was so touched. And I was blown away that God, in the middle of uh, 4, 4 p.m. in the afternoon, that's the kind of faith and belief and light that can happen when we are looking for new songs, new moments this Christmas. And so if you don't believe, I encourage you to give Jesus a try. He defeated death and he offers eternal life to you all and eternal trust and hope. And if you do believe, could we increase our faith? Could we believe deeper this Christmas and believe in his promises that blessing will come for those that believe, for those that believe, even without seeing it, sing and believe before we even sing. I finish with the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world, Jesus spoke. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Let your light shine before others in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I pray this morning that we would know that if we believe in Jesus, we could become the light of the world. We would bring light to wherever we walk this Christmas. Can we all stand together? I'm going to ask Dan and the, the worship team to come and lead us in a song.